Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant good morning to you. It's a beautiful morning here in Dripping Springs, Texas. Hope you're having a good uh, good time this morning. Have yourself a cup of Joe or Karen or whatever. Um, uh, OneRadioNetwork.com. Unfortunately, our telephone lines are out. We had a rain, and that's what happens out here in the country. It, uh, phones go out for about a week, and there you have it. So we have email, <coughs> excuse me, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. In a couple of hours, we'll be talking with Mike Stone. He has a website called Veer, V-E-R, um, V-I-R, L-I-E-O-G-Y, Veer Lie-O-G. Uh, he believes that this whole, he's one of the many that believes that this entire, whatever this COVID thing was, was all made up. There's never been a virus. They've never isolated. It's been the biggest scam ever perpetrated on humanity, other than war that we'll talk about today with Martin Armstrong. He'll be here at noon. Uh, tomorrow, Steve Falconer. Uh, Steve Falconer is a pretty cool guy. And, uh, well, he's into a lot of fun things. That if you haven't uh, met him yet, uh, please join us tomorrow at uh, 10 o'clock. Everything from wars, politics, to cosmology, truth, and such. This morning, uh, from time to time, we are honored to be visited by Martin Armstrong, Armstrong Economics. He's been at this a long time and forecasting uh, various political and uh, economics, economic ideas. He has a thing, oh, Socrates, which is a, his AI that he created long ago. And he uses a uh, economic uh, uh, confidence model. He looks at futures, finances, geopolitics. In uh, um, 86, he was involved with the whole 87 crash a lot. He, he also um, was a, a consul and good friend to Margaret Thatcher's advisor, um, and so he's been around the turnip truck, and he's going to be here this morning, and we're going to talk about, well, just before we go on the air, I said, hi, Martin, how are you doing? He said, great. He said, in 40 years, I've never seen, what, what was the term you used in 40 years of doing this, Martin Armstrong? Just absolute either stupidity or duplicity. I mean, it's, every world leader has always sought peace. I mean, now we have nothing but <clears throat> cheering on war. I mean, it's just amazing. So deep down, a lot of the world leaders that you worked with and looked at over 40 years, deep down, you think they wanted, they didn't want war? They didn't, They weren't controlled by the, by the warmongers? No, I mean, you have, um, I'm, I'm about to, to do a report. Because um, one of the questions I get a lot about, you know, the neocons. Yes. And people have to understand <clears throat> the neocons actually began uh, and came from the Democrats. Uh, they were against the idea of um, <clears throat> basically what they saw from Stalin. You know, they kind of started to depart. So they they are believe in uh, really in government intervention. Okay, and I think that's what distinguishes them from basically what you would say the Republicans. Like, the Reaganomics was more like, you, you leave me alone, I leave you alone. Mm -hmm. Whereas they uh, are all about regime change, things of this nature. 
Um, I mean, I knew Bill Crystal. Uh, he even spoke at one of our events. You know, his father is the one that actually started the whole neocon movement. Uh, and uh, it was Irving Crystal. And, and <clears throat> you know, Bill had become a chief of staff in the White House under, you know, Quayle. And, you know, it, it was just quite interesting. You know, going in, I think he was more optimistic and thinking, oh, he's going to make a difference, etc. And, um, you know, and after he got out, he basically said, you know, he <clears throat> so much of his time was taken up by worrying about, um, you know, you had... Um, you know, quail spelling potato wrong, you know, right. <laughs> things of that. Right. Um, right. So, <clears throat> the neocons are, are, they went after, you know, he did a book with Kaplan about going after Iraq. And it's this intervention that they believe in. They think that, you know, overthrowing all the dictators in the Middle East. Uh, would create democracy. They'd get a you know a ticker tape parade. The people would love them, and it was all about getting security for for Israel. Um, hmm. They've been uh, against Russia and China, and they they believe in this actual intervention, uh, regime change. With you know which people usually attributed to the CIA, but that's what these people do. Hmm. And who are the people, uh, and, the, the names that we might know, Martin Armstrong today, that would be classified neocons other than Crystal? Oh, you know, it, there's a whole, it's, and they we're on the third generation of them now. So who knows who they are? Now. All right. The, the leader was effectively, the last leader was John McCain. Hmm. Um, and uh, before that, it was really Irving Crystal. All right. But... I mean, these people have done, they, they objected to Reagan um, when Gorbachev gave a speech, I think it was May 8th in 1985, and it was <clears throat> basically reflecting the fact that the, the Soviet Union was economically not doing really very well. And <clears throat> he was talking about, you know, change in things of this nature and ending confrontation and Reagan saw that and <clears throat> maybe being a good poker player he understood that that was a signal like maybe let's talk and he opened up Gorbachev that started the whole you know glass nose issue and everything well all the neocons were against that uh they were like, no, no, you can't trust them. Don't do, you know, we have to, you know, have war with Russia. They've always been against any kind of peaceful hmm. settlement hmm. at all. Uh, and they're really in control right now. Um, and how, you, how, how are they remaining in control after all these years? How, how is it? Basically, <laughs> I mean, Hillary Clinton was one of them. Hmm. Um, that's why she um, was basically uh, going after Putin. You know, blame. You have to go back to 2000, and that's where the the, the Clintons gave the the green light to the bankers, uh, and they tried to take over Russia. 
by blackmailing Yeltsin and then <laughs> saying they wanted uh, Baryshnovsky to, to be stuck in. And, you know, Yeltsin realized that it was all a setup, and that's why he, he turned to Putin. And all the propaganda against Putin is quite ridiculous. But, um, I mean, I've got all the declassified documents from the Clinton administration. You know, it he turned to Putin because Putin was not a communist. The communists there were had filed an impeachment motion and were trying to get rid of Yeltsin to reestablish the USSR. Hmm. And uh, so Yeltsin basically had, was confronted by uh, the Americans on one side, the bankers, and then the communists on the other side. So he turned to Putin and his last words were protect Russia. Um, so, I mean, this nonsense that that John McCain would always say, oh, Putin's just a, a, you know, a communist. And, you know, I've read all the material that he read. He had I've got all the same declassified reports and he just constantly lied. Hmm. Um, so these neocons, the, the people behind putting um, Ukraine's guy, what, uh, 15 Zelensky. years ago? The other guy, the first one that Newland put in. Oh, Voshenko, yeah. Voshenko and then, then Zelensky. Are they behind installing these people in Ukraine? Oh, yeah. I mean, you can even Google it, and you'll see that when Trump was elected in November, uh, John McCain immediately ran to Ukraine in December, before Trump was even, you know, you know sworn in. And promising, okay, now we're going to give you all the money you need and to wage war against the, the Russians in the Donbass. He, it was U.S. funded the Civil War. Uh, and the reason uh, John McCain hated Trump was because once Trump got in, he said, no, I'm not funding a war. And that's why the two of them ended up clashing. And, I mean, I can tell you that, I mean, I've met many heads of state. And I did go down to Mar-a-Lago to meet Trump for dinner in, in March of 2020. I'd like to see these people, you know, eye to eye. And um, I was really surprised. But he said that he wanted to pull the troops back from Afghanistan. And he said... Something that really did impress me. He said he was sick and tired of writing letters to people that their son died in Afghanistan, you know, for God and country. Hmm. You know, he said, why are we there? They've been fighting over borders for a thousand years. What difference are we going to make? And he was the first one uh, I ever heard concerned about the people that actually die on the battlefield. The families that are left behind, and I was I was quite surprised. I mean, because I've known them all. Interesting. Uh, and uh, and he was the first one that ever spoke of any remorse for a soldier that actually died. And then you had John Bolton come out and saying, "Oh, this is outrageous." You know, he wants to, you know, this is against the the you know uh, security risk of the United States. What what's Afghanistan got to do with anything? Um, so 99% of the media, maybe 99.5, says that Putin is a warmonger and he's just trying to take over the world, blah, 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 right? And that's just not the case, is it? 
No, I mean, look, <clears throat> he, if he's been in power there for basically almost 30 years, don't you think if he was wanted to do something like that, he would have done it a lot sooner than now? Mm -hmm. um, mm. Even <clears throat> in Ukraine, he called it a special operation because all he was doing was moving in to protect the Donbass. The Donbass was supposed to be allowed to, to vote for their own separatist movement. That was the Minsk agreement. That was the deal. And that was the deal. And then Merkel came out and said, well, yeah, we, we did that just to buy time for uh, Ukraine to build an army. That's a statement showing that the West wanted this war. Um, and... And is it true that the only thing, well, the main thing that Putin wanted was to get an agreement that he would be solid, that NATO would not go into Ukraine? It wasn't, wasn't that yes, the, see, what pushed him to, to do the intervention now? You can also Google it on the Daily Wire. The day before, on February 23rd, before Putin went in, Zelensky stood up and said, we're going to um, rearm Ukraine nuclear against Russia. Now, uh, at the Munich security thing, you had uh, Harris stand up and say, oh, Ukraine should join NATO. The whole deal was, <clears throat> most people don't realize, but Ukraine was the third largest nuclear power in the world. Really? They had more nukes than China. Hmm. All right, so the deal was, when the Soviet Union broke up, <clears throat> they handed back the nuclear weapons to Russia in return for guarantees that Russia would not go into Ukraine and NATO would not invade. So it was all agreed that Ukraine was supposed to remain neutral. And that's basically what's at, at stake here. Um, then on top of that, you have this whole, I mean, every agreement that we have made, they, they've just deliberately torn up. Uh, so it, it's just hard to imagine that this is not, you know, a, a dream of the neocons, which have always wanted to go in and conquer Russia. They just, they, can I get you to move, Mr. Armstrong, your camera over to your political left a little bit, get you more in the center, and the other way, the other way. Yeah, let me see. How's that? Yeah, get you more in the center. We want to get your little handsome face there with your blue tie. <laughs> That's great. Martin Armstrong, Patrick Timpone. OneRadioNetwork.com is the email. So, so this is not good. I mean, Putin cannot, he's not going to back down, right? I mean, he's just not going to go away and fade away into the night. Will he, Martin Armstrong? It's not going to no, happen. No, I mean. It's not going to happen. Look, they, this is all about regime change. Mm. And what they don't understand is that the people that... <clears throat> Yeltsin was afraid of was the hardline, you know, old line communists in who Russia. did want to resurrect the USSR. Oh, really? Okay. And, and you get rid of Putin, and <clears throat> the next guy coming in is not going to be easier. It's going to be worse. <laughs> um, I mean, this is effectively uh, a war that states that they want to destroy Russia. Period. Uh, is, this is not about Ukraine, uh, and they know that by now, and just about every security division in the world knows that, including China. Um, 
as I've said, I've never seen in my entire career deliberate, you know, provocation for war. Um, I mean, <clears throat> this thing could have been solved in 10 minutes. All you had to do was honor the Minsk agreement. That was it. Um, and Putin has, he has, the most, he has the most land mass in the world and lots of resources and all kinds of stuff. Why would he, it doesn't even make sense, you know, I don't want to throw you softballs, but it doesn't make sense that he'd want to just go out and, and take more territory. I mean, it had to be against all these uh, Nazis in, in Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the Russian people are no different than American people. I mean, wars are created by those up in power, sure. not by the average guy on the street. All right. Um, and it's as simple as that. I mean, it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think there was a, a, a uh, an old Vietnam or World War One vet uh, who's 111 years old and he came out. He says, we should just have given the guns to the politicians and let them settle their own disputes. Let them fight it out. Leave us out of it. Yeah, I mean, it's <clears throat> there is nothing here. Uh, Russia was never interested in conquering, uh, you, you know, Europe or something or the world. I mean, those were the old days of communists, you know, when Khrushchev said, we will bury you, mm -hmm. you know. But communism collapsed. Um, and it collapsed in Russia. It collapsed in, in um, China. I mean, it's no longer about uh, pushing some sort of a philosophy upon the world. If anything, it's the, it's the West neocons that are trying to do the same thing. Hmm. Oh, we have to spread democracy around the world. Well, we don't even have democracy. <laughs> so do these neocons, I mean, do they... Democracy means that we should vote, do we go to war or not? Right. Not politicians. Do, do these neocons, do they, you think, in your opinion, do they just fear Russia or they just are, are kind of bought and paid for by the, by the people who make money off of war? Little of each? It's hard to say. I mean, it's... <clears throat> I would say they are, you know, they they just can't sleep at night without an enemy. <laughs> um, the, you know, look, communism fell. You know, it even I saw it when Reagan came to power in Washington. They were, you know, they did not like Reagan. And I was told, oh, he's a governor. We're going to have to train him. They don't like somebody coming from their um, outside to play in their sandbox. That's mm -hmm. why they didn't like Trump. Mm. Um, you know, they always want somebody who's a senator or, or a congressman, somebody that's been in, in the trenches there in Washington is not going to mess anything up for them. Uh, Trump's problem was that, you know, yeah, we're going to drain the swamp, but he didn't realize that the swamp is both sides. <laughs> it's everywhere. Really swampy. Yeah, you can't get rid of it. It's more of a cesspool rather than a swamp. But uh, um, it, look, this is what's going on. It, it's we have to understand that um, these people simply just want war, and peace would be so easy to to achieve. So, and the money that that we the people are giving to Ukraine, which is. God knows where it's going. 
many people think it's up <laughs> Zelensky's nose, a lot of it. Um, this is not, I mean, the expansion of the monetary system is really going to be, it's not going to stop, right? I mean, they're just going to keep borrowing more money to do this. Didn't he get, come well, up with 500 million yesterday or whatever? Something? The monetary system is starting to collapse. Really? All right, and they know that. Uh, and part of this, I believe that they want war is so that they can do a repeat of uh, defaulting on all the debts after World War II and creating, you know, I've been told flat out they, they want another Brenton Woods. Um, but this time they want the IMF to come up with a um, a digital currency. Like an SDR or whatever, they, something like that. Yeah, and... and you know, this whole thing about, you know, cryptocurrencies and it, I mean, this is a neocons uh, dream. Basically, um, you know, if, if you hire this 16 year old girl next door to, to do babysitting for you, I mean, and you give her money, then they're going to say, okay, where's go to her? Where's our 50%? You know, uh, they're, they're going to know everything. Uh, if I give you a hundred dollar bill, that's it. They don't know where it came from. But if I give you a hundred in crypto, they can trace it where I got it from, and everybody down the line. Um, Do you think? I mean, this is yeah. Do you think perfect. they're involved with the um, initiating Bitcoin in some level? Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, Just it's, to get people is, get people in the crypto it, game. Yes. Yeah. If the government started it, people would be suspect. <clears throat> I mean, just look at the the propaganda. Oh, this is outside the central banks, and all. I mean, come on. I mean, this is just you know, it's nonsense. Um, you know, everybody that has any crypto, they can outlaw it and in, in with the signing of a pen. And um, but that yeah. wouldn't stop people from using it, Martin Armstrong. People would still use it because, you know, just like drugs, they outlaw those, and there's plenty of it. Yeah, I mean, the problem would be that how do you then, you can't use it above ground. Right, yeah, um, it would all be. You know, it's, and look, I mean, <clears throat> money is basically just simply barter. It doesn't matter what it is, if it's gold, if it's seashells or whatever. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> you end up, the other person has to be willing to accept whatever it is. It's confidence, um, right? It's a confidence yes, game. Yes, and, and that's basically it. I mean, before... The, the only, you know, money that had any real tangible value was either bronze or cattle. Uh, one was food, and the other one you can use to make a tool out of it. Um, uh, other than that, you know, that's about it. You can't eat the gold. Uh, it looks nice in a jewelry or something like that. Um, but it, it doesn't have any real use for it. Um, and... Um, okay, when silver you, the same thing. So you, it, it's more of what somebody wants. Yeah, what somebody. When you say default, I mean, what are we talking about, Martin Armstrong? Of who would be defaulting on what if this thing just gets so out of control that they have to do some kind of quote reset, which is you know. The, well, this is what what it's all about. That's what they it's will all about. Basically, default on all government outstanding debt. I mean, the same way they did in 1931. But you have 30 trillion dollars in bonded debt you default on that and it turns into a you know it's just a, a garage sale i mean with travis they can't do that right 
No, they can. No, come You're on. You're doing 30, it on a global scale. $30 trillion right. in bonded debt by the Treasury, we the people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But aren't they tied in with uh, pension funds and hedge funds and all kinds of Why stuff? Why do you think they came out with the whole thing uh, about one Schwab is saying you'll own nothing own and nothing be happy? Own nothing and be happy. This is what all right, he's trying to make it sound that, you know, we're going to relieve you of all your debt. All right, we're doing this for you when it's really the government's defaulting. And two, uh, the basic guaranteed income. That's to replace your UBI, pension. Yeah, universal basic income. So if they would, they could default on debt and pension funds and then the people wouldn't have any money and then they'll give them cryptos. So we're going to take care of you and you can, you'll, be able yeah, to, you'll be able to retire. That's, that's the plan you're saying. Yeah, you'll get the basic uh, yeah. uh, income and that's it. And... and you know, the masses will, will give you some free bread and a couple of cookies and then just <laughs> shut up. People won't stand for that, though, Martin Armstrong, would they, Americans? Look at how many people were walking around with masks on. I know, I know, yeah. Whoa. The vast majority of the people are sheep. Yes, sir. Um, it's unfortunate. There is a, a very good study, um, Stanley Milgram, and he did a book. It's called Obedience to Authority. Um, it was after World War II. Uh, <clears throat> they were saying, oh, Germans are just different. They have no remorse. They killed all these Jews, etc. Hmm. And um, he conducted studies. He took people off the street in New York, different cities, and he had an actor there and said, okay, fine. Every time he answers a question wrong, you have to give him a shock. And he found that people right off the street would torture somebody else. The guy would be screaming, yeah. please, not I've, again, I've not seen again. the video on that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And he concluded that hmm. as long as somebody in authority is telling you to do something, you will obey. And that is the vast majority of people. And uh, that's why they were after, I think, with the COVID, all those, the people who were not vaccinated. Right. Because that was like, okay, they're the resistors. Mm -hmm. They're the people we have to worry about. Um, and, I mean, it was a good social experiment for it. But, uh, you know, that's basically what we're looking at. Uh, they are counting on the sheep. And they will make that transition. And, and this is all about just... the. the you know, getting rid of the current monetary system. It cannot be sustained. Sustained. So the same group of people, whoever they are, the Davos crowd, they are running the, the Ukraine propaganda as well as the Great Reset. This is, is, is that a proper term, the Davos crowd? Or what would you, who are these people? I don't know. I know some people that go to Davos and they go there basically just to rub shoulders. It's right. not that they're, 110% into this. And I don't think that they are the ones actually controlling this. Schwab is a different uh, a different person. Uh, Schwab is really a control freak. All right. If you look at it, the head, you know, he has strategically been pushing his agenda. Uh, the head of the ECB, former board member with him. The head of the IMF, board member with him. The head of the EU, board member with him. Every person in every key position 
has been a board member of the WEF, and then he is the one that is strategically putting him in place. Hmm. It's all to push his agenda. Uh, you know, Trudeau in Canada, look, I mean, down in, in New Zealand, um, he created his young leaders to teach people all about his philosophy. Um, he is a control freak and very good at it. Well, and he's got this German thick accent. I mean, it's just perfect. You know, it's like you can't can't write a movie better than that, right? I mean, <laughs> what is these strange clothes? Yeah. Look, he's. Um, we started our our World Economic Conference in 1985. Yes. Before then, I would do seminars, you know, in Zurich and Toronto and different things. And our clients said, gee, why don't we just do one big one so everybody can get together? Mm -hmm. I said, all right, that's an idea. So we did that in 85. Schwab was doing the same thing, running around doing seminars, and then he started his World Economic Forum uh, and copies us in 1987. Everything that we have done, he has copied. Uh, his Great Reset is our 2032. Um, he's just trying to make it fall in his direction. Uh, when Marcus Vetter did the movie on us that was funded by the German TV station, um, <clears throat> The Forecaster, he went and hired Marcus to do a film on him called The Forum. Uh, I mean, it's just been back and forth between the two of us for, you know, for basically 30 years. Who's pulling his strings? It's him. Mainly, really, do you um, think, really, he's, yes, he's the top of the food chain. He is. It, it's a a philosophy that he has, and it's almost it's a religion to him. Yeah, they they keep talking about the soul, and you don't really have a soul, right? And and you don't have free will. These pe it's, it's it's a perfect villain. I mean, really. Oh yeah, yeah. no, I mean this is this is <laughs> this is what he sees. Um, he thinks that the future is in his hands to be shaped. Uh, he doesn't believe in destiny or anything else. It's all about him. Yeah. So, so this the Ukraine war is part of this whole thing because this will drive the need for some kind of reset and to bring down the United States because we're going to be the we're going to be the short end of the stick on this thing, aren't we? I mean, we're going to end up looking well, yes, really, really bad. There's another aspect to it. They they really think that they can conquer Ukraine. I mean, um, really, Russia. Ukraine is is there to weaken Russia, and I feel sorry for you Ukrainian people because effectively, um, they don't care about them. The more they, they die, the better. Uh, the blood is on the hands of the West. I mean, this is, is it's deliberate. Um, they think that <clears throat> they can weaken Russia that way. Poland now is was told to build up an army to 250,000 to go and invade Moscow. Oh, great. They think yeah. they can take down Russia from a, a conventional standpoint and there will be no, no nuclear attacks. Then they, they want to turn on China. Um, it, this is that's why I say the neocons they think <clears throat> taking this idea of their democracy, which is really n nonsense, it's it's a republic, 
of the dictatorship and they want to control the world and the object here is to take down china and russia and then they will have this new world order hmm. but they can't do it without taking both of them down but i mean the idea of taking russia and, i mean i don't even understand how that's even possible he's not going to allow that to happen is he i mean just look they, these people are deranged they they believe their own nonsense um Russia, when it gets, look, they know what the agenda is now. Um, yeah, they know. And, and they know. China is going to get involved, right? They already are. China will get involved. North Korea will get involved. Iran's going to get involved. Turkey may flip sides. Um, and look, I mean, from a military strategic perspective, if they all did it at one time, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. We can't fight on that many fronts at the same time. Martin, but U.S. has already got NATO uh, <clears throat> uh, violating its own authority, preparing to, to enter uh, Asia. I mean, NATO was formed to supposedly to, to pre- you know, protect uh, Europe from the USSR. What's it got to do with Asia? Hmm. Is the United States in so deep now that that they're in the same position as Putin where they cannot pull back or retreat and admit that they were wrong? Yeah, no. There's, no it, way. Politicians will never admit that they're wrong. Yeah, ever. That's true. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that's why I was kind of against COVID because basically as soon as the government got involved, I knew... You knew that... <clears throat> 50% of the population could die and they would still blame somebody else. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just the way it is. Politicians will never, ever admit a mistake. Yeah. Martin, would you stay right there, please? I have to do a little break and promote a couple of products and I'll be right okay. back with you. Martin Armstrong, Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. I'll have Martin tell you about Armstrong Economics. He have different services that you can get involved in and you can become a little member as I am and you can get the some more of the good stuff on uh, Armstrong Economics. Uh, we have a, a wonderful sale going on right now with some of my, my favorite products from Sir Thrival, and that's colostrum. Colostrum, one of the best colostrums ever. This is going to go on through March 15th, and it's uh, the big sale of the year. 20% off, 20% off of colostrum on One Radio Network. Click on the ad. Sir Thrival, and uh, you really like this product. It's it's terrific, and they have different uh, flavors of uh, vanilla, strawberry, chocolate, and the original. And they use monk fruit, so there's no there's no sugar in there that you want to mess with. Well, a little bit. I think it was. I looked at the label this morning. I think it was about one um, percent uh, or one gram or whatever. You know how they do the gram thing of sugar. So it's on one radio network. Sir Thrival, link 20%. Use the promo code OPTIMIZE. The promo code OPTIMIZE on OneRadioNetwork.com. If you've ever, if you've never, have you ever, have you ever, have you ever had a sauna? You know, I, I surprise, saunas go back so long. It's a very, very well-known, uh, ancient way of detoxification, sweating your, and, uh, it goes back to Roman times. I used to do it, and uh, 
We have a wonderful sauna. It's called the Relax Far Infrared Sauna. You can see a picture of it. You stick your head out there and you sweat and uh, detoxify on all uh, uh, through the kidneys, uh, through liver. Um, it's been um, certified. You know, we've had tests where you could actually um, ditch more heavy metals through uh, the kidneys and the bladder when you do sauna. So you're also then getting it out through the skin. It's a beautiful thing. It's a great investment. Twelve ninety five delivered, and just email me Patrick One Radio Network dot com, and uh, and I'll get you hooked up. Here's a doc that we had on the show. Pretty cool guy. He talked about it and the benefit for the heart. Previously with cardiologist Dr. Joel Kahn, thirty five years experience in cardiology. On your commercial break, you hit a hot button because I'm a giant fan of infrared sauna and the cardiac benefits. Tell us about uh, why you like these saunas for the heart. What does it do? In Japan, it's a traditional therapy of heart disease to even sick heart patients to sit for 15 or 20 minutes in an infrared sauna, then lie down and rest and hydrate for about half an hour. They call it WAON, W-A-O-N. It means soothing heat. And they've done research studies, like 30 of them in humans. Anti-ages your arteries and improves the strength of your heart, and it may actually prolong survival in sick heart patients. Anybody can just, again, go to the Internet read about infrared sauna heart disease, or put my name there because I've written many articles about it. Now there's data coming out of Sweden and Finland because they've published some amazing data that number of times a week you're in a sauna, number of minutes each time, you can just track out how long you're going to live. So very powerful therapy by being in, my favorite is an infrared sauna. Well, I don't know about you, but if the heart muscles and the arteries are happy, Things are good. Yeah, these heat shock proteins, <clears throat> excuse me, it's very uh, very powerful to think about. And you keep Mr. Heart happy, as uh, your congenial host just said, and everybody is happy. Speaking of the heart, there's a very uh, interesting way that we are uh, exercising now. It's called X3. And you want to get strong, baby? Come the revolution. This is a... Uh, an exercise using elastic bands. Uh, it was uh, created by Dr. John Jaquish. You can see a picture there. And you can do every muscle in your body, your biceps and triceps, and your um, uh, do squats and the calves and your shoulders. And really, really interesting. And there's no, you just don't get sore. So say you're doing a, a, a thing where you're standing on the plate, and you have these bands, and then you go, up like this, and you, you know, as far as you go, you go down like this, and you don't take the pressure off of the muscle at all, off the shoulders. You don't take it off. And that is called variable resistance, and that will build muscle quicker than any weights out there. And you can do it every day, and you don't get sore. So check it out. It's the X3. It's on our website. Click on it, and you'll get yourself one. You can even finance it, 500 bucks. You can do payments on that if you care to. And they have a very easy way to do it. Pay a little interest rate, and you're good to go. X3, OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, that should work, and it does. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Armstrong Economics, Patrick Timpone with uh, Martin Armstrong. Thanks for coming on the show, Mr. Armstrong, from time to time. So uh, tell folks about... Uh, the Socrates AI thing that you how do you, how does that incorporate 
with your philosophy? Like when we hear from you now, uh, what's what's the separation between the Socrates and what Martin Armstrong believes with his experience? Well, actually, <clears throat> Socrates has taught me a lot. <laughs> um, being a, a hedge fund manager back in the eighties, we were all there in Geneva dealing with the OPEC money, etc. And um, <clears throat> suddenly, Japan was rising, so the money was moving there. And as the money moved there, basically the the talent moved there. Uh, and then Japan peaked off in nineteen eighty nine. And and I noticed as <clears throat> being a hedge fund manager that capital rushed around the world to whatever the next thing would be so it was um the you know not you know the asian currency crisis of 97 all the capital was leaving asia and basically running over to europe to get into the euro which was coming in 98 um so it's it's always rushed around the world so i basically did a uh being a, a programmer uh, from the seventies, I I created a, a program that would track everything, and uh, really we put in everything that trades globally, every market, every stock market, mm. uh, you name it, it's there. And uh, in the mid eighties, we had a client, the Universal Bank of Lebanon. And they had found a ledger in the basement where somebody had put down the Lebanese pound um, every day back into the 19th century. And they asked us if we could, you know, build a model on it. I said, sure, why not? We put it in and Socrates came out and said, your country is going to fall apart in eight days. I thought something was wrong with the, with the, with the data. I called them. I said, look, something's got to be wrong with this Uh and they very calmly said, well, what currency would you recommend? I said, well, it says the Swiss franc. And eight days later, the, that was the Civil War began. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> the same thing happened. We had a, uh, a client in Saudi Arabia was big in shipping. And he calls me and he says, hey, uh, what's gold going to do tomorrow? Iran's going to start attacking shipping in the Gulf tomorrow. I said, you tell me a war is going to start tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think gold's going to do? Uh, <clears throat> 98, you know, by then I began to understand that if you're going to invade a country or do something like that, um, you're going to move your money in advance. So like the Universal Bank of Lebanon began to see money leaving. Why? All right. Um, for 9-11, the government was using uh, that our theories on that. They went to go check uh, who bought uh, puts on airlines, you know, right. a few days in advance. Yeah. Um, you know, but they began to realize that, you know, even the terrorists would, would do an attack and they would take a position in the markets that would benefit from it. Um, in 98, <clears throat> I stood up, we did a conference in London in June. And um, our model showed that Russia was going to collapse. I saw $100 billion going in in capital flows, but $150 billion coming out. And um, I stood up and I said, look, I, Russia's going to collapse, and I give it about 30 days. 
And the London Financial Times happened to sneak in there, and they put it on the front page of, <laughs> of the FT. Uh, gee, if, if Armstrong's right, we're going to have a bunch of nukes running around, you know. Um, and that happened, and then that was like it. That was the long-term capital management collapse, etc. cetera. So uh, <clears throat> the computers taught me a lot hmm. uh, over the years. I bet so, yeah. And uh, you know, we begin to understand how things actually happen and what they, they do. Now, I can't necessarily tell me that you're the one moving the money versus somebody else. It's just telling me the money's moving and not necessarily identifying the person doing it. Um, sometimes it has when it was a central bank um, involved. But uh, usually uh, it, it, it highlights the, the, the issues and what's going on. Uh, the same thing with the, uh, you know, the U.S. did sanctions and said, well, look, looks like the ruble will go up, not down. Uh, you know, it's, it, you know, it's these fundamental ideas that people have are not necessarily always correct. Yeah. Um, uh, let's talk about the dollar. Um, so there's there's stories going around that uh, uh, Saudi Arabia and Iraq are going to depeg from the dollar. Uh, is this a big deal? Eventually, yes, but it's not. Um, you know, people. You know, the the whole thing of of the petrodollar that was propaganda in the seventies, uh, because the dollar was going up, and they said, "Oh, well, it's really backed by oil," and that's where that came in from. Uh, and <clears throat> the dollar will be the last to fall, oh. and it's not anything to do with oil or anything else it's just we have the largest economy period and it's a consumer-based economy which is different china is now trying to do that germany for example the average german has less net worth than, than an italian why because germany has operated under the old mercantile idea we manufacture things and we sell it to somebody else mm-hmm Okay, so everybody's running around in their BMWs and Mercedes, etc. Okay, um, but you don't see that in Germany. Uh, they didn't develop a, a domestic consumer economy. Hmm. So uh, we have the largest economy in the world because everybody wants to sell to us. That's what raised Japan out of the ashes, Germany. Uh, if we didn't have a consumer-based economy, that would never have happened. Because Americans buy stuff. We like to buy stuff. Exactly. <laughs> we just like All to right? buy stuff. China has, has looked at this. <clears throat> and that's why China is trying to develop its own domestic economy. Uh, a consumer-based. It realizes that's the key. All right. And... So how are they doing that? How are they doing that? They're basically um, I was very impressed. I was called over to China kind of to you know to help them become capitalists. And I was taken off to this facility and they had about maybe 300 people in there surfing, downloading everything from the internet. Uh, and they were monitoring absolutely everything that took place. Really? But they were not interfering. Hmm. Okay. And I was sure that they had like 249 varieties of tea. I never <laughs> knew there were that many. All right. And, but what was fascinating about it was that 
like one tea would be selling for a dollar one place and like five dollars someplace else okay that was strange to them because uh, in communism and the reason it failed was that same tea would be, be a dollar here would be a dollar someplace else even if it cost you ten dollars to get it there that's why communism failed that's equality. the model equality yeah kind of like what's yes, going on here in, 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 in this country right and yes they're whole, trying that same nonsense this, yeah uh, it, it just does not work. Um, <laughs> we all have different talents, whatever you know. Uh, you don't go to a you know a, a cab driver and say, "You look like a nice guy. I need a heart surgery. Would you be next?" You know. <laughs> uh, I mean, we all have different talents. Sure. You know, that's it. Somebody a great basketball player, others can hit a home run. You know, um, it, that's basically what humanity is about. So we're not all equal. Um, we're equal in rights, yes, but not necessarily in anything else. I don't think, you know, they're going to, you know, millions of people will show up in a stadium to watch me be the quarterback. You know, I mean, it's, um, and which is the Achilles heel of this socialist nonsense going on in the in the United States, right? I mean, these people don't yeah, understand I mean, that. It, they don't understand what you just said. They don't get it. They don't. They really don't. Okay. I mean, I saw it okay. firsthand over there, um, and. I had explained, look, first you have transportation costs and then people will pay more for this one versus that because they like it. Mm -hmm. And they go, really? You know, I mean, we had a Russian girl that came over and was part of our programming team. And um, it was funny. She says, I don't know what to do when I go shopping. What's the problem? She says, when I would go shopping for like toilet paper in Russia. We had one. That was it. <laughs> Over here, there's like thirty brands. I got to make a decision on everything I buy. <laughs> I mean, and look at it look was at, very interesting. Look at Hollywood. Listen. Yeah, look at Hollywood. I mean, these people actually think that you should have so many black directors winning awards and all this stuff. I mean, to me, it's the most racist thing going on in this country. All this stuff about black and white. These people are really—they don't get it. That we're all just jealous. No, they don't. They, they, don't they get really it. don't. They don't get it. Just, um, just, everybody's different. Some people have talents for certain things, and sure. others don't. I mean, sure. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> that's basically what Adam Smith was really about. We all should, you know, it's the invisible hand. I mean, if somebody's a baker, he starts a bakery. I mean, I don't think he'd want to eat bread if I made it. You know, I mean, it's just it, it, we're all just different. But collectively, we make society function. Hmm. You, do you think there's going to be a time when, what do you think would be leading up to the idea that the dollar, which is the cleanest dirty shirt right now, the strongest currency, I mean, what would be happening that we would see that this great reset digital thing is going to be happening soon? And when do you think they'll be able to pull this off, this, this digital thing? IMF, whatever it's going to be. I think they need the the war first, um, and typically, what you you get is that is the way out of a situation. So you need to create the, the crisis first, mm -hmm. which is what they're doing, and and that's why I say, honestly, I've never seen world leaders uh, not interested in peace at all. They want this war. And, and that's what this is really all about. And, you know, they also think there are just too many of us. 
you know, so we just thin the herd. You know, that's basically what they want to do. Uh, and, <clears throat> you know, what they don't count on is that, you know, if you just do a correlation study of all the plagues and stuff, they follow war. Because once people start moving around, they bring diseases from one area to another area. Uh, the Spanish flu, you know, followed World War One. The Black Plague uh, of the 14th century. The Tartars brought it from Asia to Crimea. Uh, they were throwing, you know, dead bodies over the walls, and the Italians fled, took the Black Plague back to Europe. Um, when <clears throat> Europeans came to America, they brought diseases that the Indians didn't have and, and wiped out an awful lot of them. Um, in return, you know, they gave us syphilis and we took it back to, 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 to Europe. So, I mean, um, <clears throat> fair exchange, right? <laughs> uh, but, I mean, this is the way things are throughout history. I mean, you go to uh, ancient times. There were plagues that were brought back by soldiers fighting in the East. It's always been the same thing. Oh. What is Martin Armstrong going to do to protect yourself personally from this whole reset digital thing that... <clears throat> is coming we believe right you believe what do you do well i think you have to understand that um a lot of people are taking money off the grid excuse me uh -huh. and buying real estate um precious metals uh ancient coins stamps um art various different collector things um all these things have risen in value uh and then you have migration still taking place from um you know the the cities that were the worst with COVID. um so down here in florida i can tell you the traffic has clearly doubled uh in, in the last three years i mean it's um Miami's just simply become New York with sun. That's about it. It's, Is that uh, right? Hmm. It's horrible. I mean, and look, Goldman Sachs even moved its most profitable division to Boca Raton. Uh, hedge fund managers that I know from up, up north all left <clears throat> moving to Florida. We don't have uh, state income tax. Uh, <clears throat> we have homestead. So... If you have a house here and it's your primary residence and you owe, you know, $5 million on credit cards, nobody can take it until you die. Um, we have very, you know, pro-citizen laws here. Similar in Texas. Uh, similar here. Yeah. Uh, and that's why, you know, honestly, people, I was actually asked if I would <clears throat> try to talk to Trump and talk him out of running in 2024, and if I would be willing to advise DeSantis. Uh, and I told him, I said, you get me involved, I'm going to tell DeSantis not to leave Florida. Thank you very much. <laughs> I um, live in Florida. I don't want him going anywhere. Yeah. I don't want him going anywhere. Uh, politics, it's a good question from Patty. What does your guest think about Harris, and do these people that he talks about want her in the presidency? Because they look like they might throw Joe under a bus. Mm. Do you think they'll want her in? Look, they, they're very shallow people. Um, and Harris is not the brightest bulb in the, in the box. And that's what they like. Um, 
I mean, I found that out back in 1999. I mean, I used to advise um, <clears throat> on, I would go meet with people who wanted to be president. They were told I was there to advise them on the world economy. and But it was really a vetting process. Mm-hmm. And I would ask, what do you think of them? Do, do you think they're smart enough to hold, you know, to understand this? And uh, <clears throat> then in 99, I was I was asked and I they said, look, we want you to go down and meet, you know, uh, Bush Jr. I said, yeah, OK, fine. Uh, and they said, oh, but this one's different. I said, what's different? They said, no, he's really stupid. <laughs> I said, excuse me. Um, and before then, it was always do you think this guy's smart enough to be president. And suddenly in 99, it switched. Uh, and after that everybody they wanted was that was just going to be a placeholder and the deep state would run everything i mean i feel sorry for bush i mean he probably didn't even know where you know iraq was at the time it was all dick cheney yeah he was cheney Uh, was running the show wasn't he yeah he was running the show and the same thing with even the clintons it was hillary really running things that's why she didn't care how many women he had coming in and out. Just keep them occupied. Let me run the state. Um, that, that's basically what it was always about. Um, <clears throat> they published some of the memoirs of the pe- of the women he was with in London. They wouldn't publish them here. Um, how, and uh, how does she have so much power? These Clintons, boy, they just seem to be able to do whatever they want. I mean, they must go deep into the the deep state and the whole. Oh, yeah. yeah the no, whole crowd, yeah. They're in, aren't they? Look, the, Hillary bought all the support of uh, the neocons. That's why they were all supporting her against Trump. Uh, and <clears throat> John McCain's the one that handed the fake uh, steel dossier that she had made up against Trump. He's the one that handed it to James Comey. Really? That all came out. I mean, the neocons supported Hillary, not Trump. Uh, and that's all the Republicans, too. And <clears throat> the bankers were all um, with with Hillary. I mean, even Goldman Sachs said no board member was allowed to donate to Trump. Um, why? Because basically they said, this, look at the student loans. They said, OK, fine, we'll lend money to students, but you have to eliminate it from bankruptcy. Clintons did that. Um, <clears throat> then they went and got parents to co-sign for a loan. All right. So then they got the family house on the kids, you know, uh, student loan. Um, <clears throat> the bankers were involved in, in trying to take down Russia and blackmailing Yeltsin. I mean, all of this has been the bankers have been in the corner of, of the Clintons for quite some time. And so are all the neocons. Because Hillary's one of them. If you look at the Iraq war, most of the Democrats voted against it. She voted for it. Hmm. What a travesty that thing was, right? Boy, man. My goodness. Still going on. They still control Iraq, don't they? Pretty much. Look, this is basically what goes on. I mean, uh, if you do your own investigation, you'll find out every single war that we've been in, the head of state... Has lied about. Hmm. So it's not just Iraq. There were no weapons of mass destruction. 
You can Google it. FDR was accused of he broke the code for the Japanese. The U- U.S. Congress would not get involved in World War II. He knew Pearl Harbor was coming, and they had a whole Senate investigation on this. And they concluded, well, it's in. It, we're not really sure if he knew in advance or not. Um, the Lusitania, the Germans put an ad in the newspaper, said they're using it to send arms to, to Britain covertly. U.S. said, oh, no, absolutely no. You know, they sunk it. All right. Divers now have found it. Yes, it was loaded with arms. Um, there isn't one war. Uh, you know, even Johnson. I mean, the tapes are out on that. Vietnam never attacked us. He said, for all I know, quote, unquote, they were shooting at whales that night. (laughs) Every single war that we've been involved in, they have lied about. And they're lying about this one, too. What's that line? Is it goes way back? uh, The first casualty of war is the truth. Uh, Absolutely. It goes way back. The first casualty is the truth. I mean, I think the only war that was ever... Truthful was the American Revolution and maybe the, the War of 1812. That's it. I mean, I know when I was in high school, the Spanish-American War was created by the newspapers. Pulitzer. That's why he, he left all his money. to. He's the father of yellow journalism. Hearst said, you just take the pictures and I'll create the war. And the Spanish never attacked the main. I mean, come on. Many people um, we've talked to said the 1812 war was about the uh, 20-year um, um Federal Reserve um, renewing, you know, the, the deal. They're, they're no, the Fed wasn't around back then. Sure it was. <clears throat> sure it was. The, in 1812? No, no, no. no. Well, yeah, yeah, but it wasn't it uh, 20 years, if you go back from 1812, which is what year, that was the, um, that was the one they put in the, um, well, the central bank had a, had a 20-year time frame and that was up in 1812 maybe I mean that was more of of Andrew Jackson taking down the Bank of the United States and and created the panic in 1837 but that was later Jackson was later right that was later Um, so um, I still want to let's go back let's go back to Russia and Ukraine so what, how does this play out? I mean, walk us through this with your experience and, and your research. I mean, if China, I, I see where Xi is going over to Russia, visiting Russia, I think next week. So if Russia and Iran and get involved, um, could this be like really, really bad news for us? looking on the sidelines yeah i mean look i I, china north korea iran they're all going to join russia they're going to join maybe even um maybe and there's many of um united states has been very dictatorial uh in many ways um Uh, You know, I don't see this as there's any way out of this. I mean, the simple thing is to let the Donbass go. I mean, 
everybody's future is going to be completely destroyed because of some strip of land in Ukraine that's been occupied by Russians for hundreds of years anyhow. I mean, it, it makes no sense. So, I mean, we have to really look at this, who's behind it and what are they trying to achieve? And, and that's really, you know, Ukraine, I feel sorry for the people because they're basically just counted fire. Sure. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Zelensky, basically, uh, he's got property in Miami and he'll be given a golden parachute and they'll send a, a plane over there to make sure he's the last guy out. Oh, yeah. I mean, he sold his, his country down the down the tubes i mean it's it, it's crazy um okay let's, he's let's, a real he's a traitor it's unquestionable he's a traitor so can you can you give us an idea of how much money do you that biden this crew is going to keep pouring into ukraine it's going to be more and more they're just going to borrow more money send over there well this is the problem uh <clears throat> There was a there was a, a crisis in the bond market in London a long term. Now you, the whole debt monetary system's collapsing because of one you're raising interest rates. Yes. Uh, to fight inflation, which you can't stop anyhow because it's shortages. Uh, <clears throat> that means that an institution can't buy the long term. Why would he buy a long-term bond? Is as soon as they raise it another quarter point at the next meeting, they lose. Yes. Right. So institutions have been moving short term. Yes. And you see that also Yellen came out and with a proposal saying that maybe the Treasury should buy in the long term and swap it with the short, because the liquidity in the twenty-year bond was collapsing. Nobody wants it. So if you can't sell the debt, all right, uh, long term, and now you're talking about, forget just inflation, you're adding a war on top of this. Yes. Why would anybody in their right mind buy a long-term bond? Well, the Fed would buy it. Even the Fed is more independent and is, is reluctant to buy the long term themselves. That's why Yellow... Yeah, when came out and said, well, maybe the Treasury should get involved. Because <clears throat> the Fed is saying, we're not going to buy this stuff. The Fed's moving short term as well. Okay. I mean, it's just standard what you would do in, in a rising in interest rate environment. Does the Fed have and to... And then you add more to this, it just gets worse. Does the Fed have to unload their... I didn't look at it this morning, but it's about $8 trillion or more. They're going to have to unload this at some point, aren't they? Sell the... Say off sell off these assets? They let it expire. That's basically what they do. They can't sell it into the market because the market would crash. Yeah. So, so they just, they simply let it expire. Well, they created the money. They don't, they don't lose anything, right? Yeah, they created the dollars. What do they care? Um, well, no, the, the dollar is, the money supply itself is elastic. There are, they have the, the Fed has the authority to create more and reduce it. The Treasury is the one that really creates the debt. Right. Yes, sir. All right. So, I mean, this is the problem that we have uh, going forward. It's not the central bank. It's not the Fed. It's the Treasury. Yeah, because they're, they're the one creating. As long as they yeah. keep, yeah. you know, 
spending money like this, the Treasury has to issue debt. And if the Treasury can't sell it, that's where the problem comes in. The primary dealers can't handle the amount of debt coming out. They have to have a balance sheet to buy it. Yes, sir. And then they have to buy it <clears throat> under the rules and to be a primary dealer. But what if they can't sell it? If they can't sell it, they have no customers, but they're forced to buy it, then the bank goes down. Hmm. So this is the problem. It's, it's become a real mess. And um, that's why they need this war. They need a distraction. Um, and, you know, maybe they can send up some more balloons to, to shoot down to, like, say, oh, <laughs> see, we're being invaded by aliens now or whatever. Um, <clears throat> so, so, you think, it, it just, so you think the nonsense. Fed, the Fed, they're, they're more independent than we might think that they're, that they are. Oh, yes. No, they are. No, they are. Um, the Fed got in a huge dis dispute with the government uh, after World War II. Hmm. Um, the, the Treasury had, had, they agreed to keep interest rates even during World War II so that the, the government could fund the, the, the war. Right. Then they wanted them to continue that because the Korean War was coming. Hmm. In 1951, the, the Fed said no. We're not doing this anymore. And they broke with the Treasury uh, and, and the White House. And that, you know, it's um, the Fed is independent. Uh, it, it's not a, uh, a, a rubber stamp of, of the White House. And that's what they wanted to change, basically. Um, I mean, they've been <clears throat> moving that forward. FDR is the first one. I mean, you can. <clears throat> Google and look, and you'll see that each Federal Reserve branch had was independent. Um, they raised and lowered interest rates separately because the problem from 1907 was capital flows. Um, San Francisco earthquake in 1906, and the insurance companies were in New York, and so the money moved that way, and the banks were, were failing in New York because there was a shortage of cash. So that's why they created the Fed. And with all these branches, and each one was independent. FDR is the one that, that usurped them all and put them into Washington. And to sell his socialism, we had to have one interest rate. Um, and so little by little, they've been trying to take over the control of the Federal Reserve. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, when we had the long-term capital management crisis they bailed out aig which was an insurance company not even a bank um is, is powell separate because otherwise goldman sachs would have went down yeah is powell separate from the federal reserve bank of new york are, are they they one and the same martin armstrong um no not really i mean new york is more of the money center right um and they do argue back and forth. I can tell you that. Yeah. Uh, there are people that uh, support raising interest rates and others that do not. Um, so it's not a unanimous you know, issue. Uh, and the Fed is raising interest rates because that's the only tool it has. And they really think um, it's going to control inflation. And you said that's just nonsense. 
the, look, the even the Keynesian economic theories are collapsing. <laughs> Uh, Keynes came up with that idea uh, raising interest rates, lowering interest rates to manipulate demand. Mm -hmm. All right. But the government had a balanced budget back then. All right. We were the, the issue. Today, the government's the biggest borrower in the system. So the Fed raises interest rates to lower inflation, it has no impact. It makes it worse because hmm. the politicians don't say, oh, gee, they want us to spend less. Okay, we'll cut. No, they don't. <laughs> they spend more. Is it true that the interest on the debt, it must be at least a trillion dollars a year? Probably more interest. <clears throat> Look, we're, we're again Whoa. approaching the level of 70% of the entire national is, debt is back interest rates. Everything from Social Security, the whole thing is <laughs> just... Yeah. Just rolling the interest rates constantly over and never paying anything back. Well, that's not sustainable. That's why it's got to go bust. That, it's, got, you know, it's got to, right? It's got to go bust. I think a three-year-old with a pocket calculator could figure that out. So is the only way that we, the people, protect ourselves is with, like you said, real estate assets, um, uh, gold, silver, or whatever? Yeah, basically any, you know tangible items that even the stock market is is uh those that have tangible assets not not the paper you know the not paper the, the paper you know dreams or whatever mm -hmm. um but i mean they survive that that's what makes the transition even if you look at the german hyperinflation the currency that came after was backed by real estate was it? they didn't have any gold huh all right, so um, <clears throat> people want tangible items, and that's what will will basically survive. It's just re-denominated a new currency. Mm -hmm. Paul writes in, can your guests recommend any books on the history of finance or economics or podcasts? would love to learn more about history and money. I've, I've taught just at the high school level and believe we have more astute citizenry if we were taught real economics with history. Um, you can go to our website, uh, armstrongeconomics.com, and <clears throat> we have all different economists, their theories, everything pretty much there. Um, I don't know of any single book that I would say. I mean, it's more of a conglomeration of Adam Smith and Ricardo and, and, and many people. I mean, so you can go to our site and you'll see we have an excerpt on each uh, economist, what mm -hmm. they basically stood for. Um, and I think that's <clears throat> a good starting point. And you'll find a lot of, you know, sources where to go to uh, from there. Couple of my favorites, uh, the the coming battle. Do you know that one? I think nineteen hundred, really great one. And tragedy and hope. That's a uh, that's a classic, right? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's <clears throat> when I was in school, I was handed uh, in high school actually, I was handed the Great Crash ah. by Galbraith. Galbraith, yeah. Uh, I read it, and it was all propaganda. Was it for socialism? Uh, I was in London, and what kind of opened my mind was um, you can you can 
I would say I would recommend reading uh, Herbert Hoover's memoirs, which are free on the internet. Really? Uh, now, I go to 1931, and he was talking about how all the the capital was rushing around. He said it acted like a cannon on the deck of a ship in the middle of a hurricane. It was shooting off <laughs> in every which direction so fast they couldn't figure out where, where it was going. Um, and, you know, he... <clears throat> Hoover even launched the investigation, the SEC, and realized it was all wrong. Hmm. He apologized in his memoirs. He says sometimes when when a government gets angered, uh, it burns down the barn to get the rat. Wow. wow. And um, uh, you know, I recommend reading you know that, and you'll get a real sense of honesty for what happened in the Great Depression, rather than uh, Galbraith. It was nothing but propaganda for socialism. Oh, corporations, they were the evil. He never even mentioned that all of Europe defaulted on its debt in 1931. No mention of any government ever did anything wrong. Yeah. Uh, so it was just that, you know, Herbert Hoover's memoirs <clears throat> did open my eyes, and I started exploring everything from there on. That's worth looking at. This is from Linda. There's a lot of talk around different countries going to a gold-back or an asset-backed currency. Does Martin Armstrong think think that's an, a possibility? Um, <clears throat> it cannot be fixed. Uh, you can't, you know... You can't um, fix this. You can't fix it. You, you can't even fix the, the rate. In other words, a gold-back type currency. Uh, there's a business cycle. Um <clears throat> I mean, you know, Putin basically said, okay, fine, the ruble will be, you know, redeemable in gold. As long as you do not fix the rate. That's what brought down Brenton Woods. They fixed gold at $35 an ounce. Very nice. But they kept printing dollars. So sooner or later, you got more dollars than the gold at $35 and the whole system collapsed. I mean, politicians are not trustworthy. <laughs> They will always do whatever they need to do to survive for the next election, mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. um, they don't really care about us. It's about them. That's why I say that there should be term limits one time in and out. That's it. Um, I mean, I've worked on Capitol Hill. I've been down there way too many times. And the lobbyists are, are all over the place like ants on, on a piece of cheese. Well, we could always buy gold and then at least go to, go to sleep at night, right? At least you got something. Yeah, I mean, you, know? you want something that's that's you tangible. Mean, yeah. Okay. I at mean, least got something. Um, maybe the the silver coins that they're dated sixty four and before. Right. right. Um, you know, for small change. I mean, people, you have to look at it from the standpoint. Um, <clears throat> you know, the average person on the street. Is not going to know the difference between a bar of nickel and a bar of silver. Um, how do they trust it? Uh, so a coin dated 1960, they're going to, oh, okay, fine. This one's dated 64. I know yeah. they're, they're silver. Yeah. Uh, I'd recommend stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there was a story a woman had a $20 gold piece. She walked into the bank. They looked at $20 and they deposited her $20. account for $20. Bucks. <laughs> no, that was it. Yeah. Nobody knew what it was. 
Don't do that. You um, don't want to do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, do do you do you have any preference for numismatic coins and the dated ones pre sixty four, and then the certified coins in in the plastic or bars and bricks and and stuff like that? I would I would not look at the uh, American collector coins because that's just for a collector. You you have to look for the average person on the street at at this point. Um, the coins that are probably the most international are ancient coins. Uh, the buyers for those are from China to Russia to whatever. So that's a different market than uh, U.S. coins. The best buy is, is always going to be in the United States. Uh, same thing with German coins or Canadian or whatever. <clears throat> uh, so I would look more at, at just common date um, coins, silver dollars or something like that. Don't, and stay away from the rarities or anything of that nature. But they would be a good hedge against inflation if you're just going to hold them, would they not? Because they're going to they're going to go up in value as the dollar <clears throat> goes down. Yes, but the, the point is is what it's the marketplace. Yeah, I mean uh, and there's well, also there a spread a on those you want to Yeah, you want to keep them for a few years. You can lose money, right? With the spread on <clears throat> numismatic coins. If you got to sell yes. them. Yeah, if you got to sell them real yes. quick. Yeah. That's why the the basic uh common date things are much better you don't have to worry about uh, the grading and, and things of this nature right. um, <clears throat> what, what about if gold golden mining gold and silver mines and stuff like that those kind of investments you think those are worthwhile looking at for people who want to put their money somewhere initially uh, just don't forget that the government can seize mines and they've done oh, that good. before. Oh, good. <laughs> um, and uh, <clears throat> the government will do whatever it needs to do whenever it sees so. I yes, mean, that, that's basically it. Which is a good um, argument to, to own and control any kind of an asset, right? That you have. Yes. Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good argument for that. You know, keep it in your possession. Yes, because look, I mean, th there are people that had safety deposit boxes and they were all seized. Yeah. And said, oh, well, one guy had, had drugs in there. Oh, look at what else we found, you know? <laughs> I mean... Uh, <clears throat> Would you ever trust any of these third-party vaults? Like I know Texas has one in North Dakota. Would you ever trust one of those to hold your stuff? Personally, no. Mainly because <laughs> the government knows where it is. That's a problem. It, it is. I mean... Um, I mean, there was a guy from Florida had a hundred thousand in cash. He was hopped on a plane to go up to Chicago to buy some equipment. The guy said, oh, "I'll give you pay me in cash." They confiscated it. <laughs> oh, you know, it's civil asset forfeiture. Maybe you know it was connected to drugs and stuff. I mean, <clears throat> they can do whatever they want. Um, and just remember that the, the government is the least. Uh, entity you ever want to you know deal with? I mean, they're, they're just terrible. Yeah, Mike wants to know what's the idea on bail-ins. I've heard that it's possible that banks could actually confiscate some of your deposits if they wanted to. Does Martin Armstrong think that's true? Um, eventually, yes. Eventually, uh, yes. I mean, uh, the FDIC has kind of hinted at that. That um, <clears throat> they don't have the. I would also be concerned that 
what they will pull off is that um, people think that they're insured per account, and that's not going to be true. No, they can change It'll be that. Per person. Well. Right. So yeah. where do all they, these rich dudes with all these piles of money, what, what do they do with it? They must do something with it to protect it. They stick it in some sort of assets. Oh, uh, you mean like, uh, tangibles, tangibles. Yeah. Zelensky was sticking it all in FTX, you know. <laughs> oh, good. Grant wants to know, what are your guest thoughts on option tradings in the short term? Options tradings in the short term. No, look, I don't <clears throat> think there's anything wrong with the financial markets right now. Um, I would be more concerned about after war starts, uh, they can suspend markets. Uh, they shut down the stock market in uh, <clears throat> 1914. They just closed it. Um, the you know Europe will be most likely put slapping on currency controls to prevent money from leaving. Hmm. Uh, you know, they do all sorts of things. Just look at history, and there isn't anything. Just they make it up. Done. Just make it up. Whatever it is, they, they do. They yeah. make it up, and then it takes you years to get to a court to say what you did was wrong. So before we go, what about the stock market? What does Socrates say about that? Most of our uh, listeners have their stuff, you know, their retirement thing in the market. I mean, is that, what do they do now? Just sit back and hope? I mean, that doesn't sound like a good idea. No, well, look, just pay attention. You'll see, uh, <clears throat> as long as the Dow is leading, uh, that's foreign international capital coming in. Um, what do you mean leading? Dow is leading. It, it does better than the S&P and, okay. and the NASDAQ. Um, the big capital internationally always wants to park in the blue chips. All right, like the Japanese when they came in, um, <clears throat> they weren't buying mom and pop houses for a couple hundred thousand dollars down the street. They were buying, you know, Rockefeller Center. You know, um, <clears throat> So the... the Major international capital comes and they buy the Dow. They don't buy the startups in the NASDAQ. Um, <clears throat> so as long as you see the Dow, uh, the Dow was leading pretty much all the way up. Um, and that was an indication that you, <clears throat> war tends to send money in this direction. So when you say leading, uh, if you just gauge the amount of gains or losses with the Dow and the S&P, as long as the Dow is doing better, then you're you're kind of okay in there? Yeah, I mean, the market, um, look, you have to understand on an international capital flow basis. In 1896, the U.S. was virtually bankrupt. That's when J.P. Morgan right. had to lend $100 million to bail it out. Right. By the end of World War One, U.S. was the financial capital of the world. World War Two, we had 76% of the world gold reserves. That's why the dollar became the reserve currency. All right. When you've got tanks running down the street, blowing up things, are you going to leave your money there? They put it on every ship and every plane they could possibly could to get it to America. Hmm. That's what the Roaring Twenties was about. The money was here. Hmm. All right. And it was a big boom. Um, so the more this develops into a war, Ukraine and Russia, etc., the more capital you're going to see from from Europe move here. In Asia, you've got the Taiwan problem. You've got North Korea shooting missiles off over Japan, um, like it's 4th of July. Uh, and you've got Japanese money coming in again. Um, 
So capital always flees away from wherever the uh, event is. Yes, sir. In this case, we're getting it from Asia and we're getting it from also from Europe. And they buy blue chips in the Dow generally? Pretty much. Buy, they, hmm. Number one thing they, they'll buy are the blue chips. They'll go into maybe some of the, the top uh, stocks in the S&P. Um, but they like the blue chips most of all. Do you foresee a day in the next few years that they, we could have a 1987 or one of those days where the drops like 10 or 20 percent? Is that possible? I guess anything's possible. Oh, yeah. No, eventually really? you, you do. But, I mean, we, we got to get, you know, um, this whole thing is just going to get worse because these people want war. Uh, it's just insane. Um, I mean, <clears throat> you, when you when you have the U.S. government flat out right saying there will be no peace negotiations, I, I, uh, you know, what are you going to say? And they so, want war. So this story is untrue about Putin turned down some kind of a trade deal for start three, right? That was just, that's propaganda, correct? Um, They're claiming that Putin turned down a deal uh, recently, the last few days. Oh, no, that that was the uh, START treaty on limiting nuclear war uh, warheads. Yes, he suspended it. Um, He says, you know, this is ridiculous. Oh, you're putting sanctions on us for everything, so he suspended the agreement. We're not going to honor that either. Yeah, yeah. And are but there... he also came out and said, we will not conduct any nuclear tests unless the United States does. I see. His his statement was actually very moderate. You're talking about the State um, of the Union he did. Yes. Yeah. Um, I looked at it carefully. A lot of people were saying, oh, he's going to declare war on NATO. I mean, he didn't do any of that kind of stuff. Uh, he suspended the Stark. You know, yes, that I think was probably the least he could possibly do. Um, but he also qualified. We will not start uh, testing nuclear weapons unless the United States does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are, there, are there troops, American troops now in Poland? And uh, yes. Kazakhstan or whatever, or no, what's the place? Where are they? Um, in Moldavia and um, many in Poland, lots of them. Uh, yes, uh, U.S. is preparing military for war now to actually invade Russia, uh, to send them to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> but there have been people who've been. been uh, <clears throat> told to expect war with China and Russia. China's a big guy. I mean, he's got they got a lot of stuff, don't they? I mean, they got a lot of. <clears throat> you know, I it's Ooh. this is just total insanity. Man. It's just I, I, crazy. You know, yeah, it's crazy. It is. It's totally crazy. Um, and the people think that we've got this. M- you know, all these high-tech weapons and we can destroy the world and survive. I mean, I'm not so sure that's correct. I don't, and Martin Armstrong, every media outlet on the earth is selling the story that Putin's losing oh, yeah. and we got to get him because he wants to take over the, every, I don't care where you go, <laughs> everyone. Oh, yeah. No, look, I read one this morning saying that, oh, Putin's bitter speech. <laughs> bitter. I mean... <clears throat> I thought it was very measured. 
Really? Um, you, you have, I, you, you know, you, knowing what I know behind the scenes, I mean, he could have done much worse. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, batting the hatches, I mean, looking for some interesting times in 2023. Thanks for your input this morning, and tell folks about your website, what they're going to find there and at Armstrong Economics. Well, um, at com, we believe in freedom, so you don't have to register to look at the site. <laughs> um, you can just go uh, look at it. It's open to, to basically everybody. No ads. We don't sell ads. So you don't have to keep clicking things away. Um, it, we do it mainly as a public service. Mm-hmm. And what's your agenda for this uh, this year? Are you going to stick around? Do you have any conferences coming up or big um, big deals? Well, in November, we'll have one in Orlando. Um, possibly we'll be doing one in Dubai in June. Oh. Um, we will see. Uh-huh. If you, let me ask you this before, last question. Say if an angel came down and said, Martin Armstrong, you have to leave the United States. Okay, some weird thing, right? Some some curse or something. Where would you go? Well, a lot of people are going to Uruguay. Uruguay, wow. Yes, what's up? awful lot. What's up in Uruguay? What's going on down there? Uh, they just feel that it's a safe place. Uh-huh, yeah. I know a lot of Europeans, Americans, a lot of people are just buying property down there and, and moving. Hmm. Can you get one of those golden passports things where you have your own, you're a citizen? Yes, I believe so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's probably best bet to stay here, though, right? Uh, I'm in Florida by St. Petersburg. <laughs> this is where all the Russians came after the, the revolution in 1917, so I think I might be safe here. All right, sir. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's always a pleasure, and appreciate your time, Martin Armstrong. Thank you. Well, thank you for inviting me. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Martin Armstrong, Patrick Timpone, one radio network.com there you go well what do you think uh we are going to take a break here and then we're going to talk about the idea from um mike stone that this uh, whole virus I, I guess i'll say the word the virus thing doesn't exist and uh, that's our opinion after hanging out with the likes of thomas cowan um samantha bailey by the way, the Baileys are going to be on next week, Samantha and Mark Bailey, and Amanda Vollmer and uh, Stefan Lanka. Um, but there's a lot going on with how this whole COVID thing came about that we'll talk to Mike about. But he's going to be here in 20 minutes. He's a cool guy. His website, you can check it out, is Vir Liege, V-I-R-L-I-E-O-G-Y, Lie. His name is Mike Stone, and he's going to be here in 22 minutes. A little plug here for um, if you want to get some pre-1965 silver coins, and Martin Armstrong, one of his favorite things, uh, you can get them at the real world of money place, Fred Dostoevsky, U.S. Coin Capital. Pre-1964 quarters, Dimes and half silver dollars. They were silver. They were silver. One of my favorite tales is that when I was in grade school, uh, high school rather, in 1964, I was a senior in high school, and 
we had a 52 Chevy, my brother and I, and for a quarter, a silver quarter, you could buy a gallon of gas. This was in 64 or 5. Today, today, in uh, February 21, 2023, you can take that same silver dollar, I mean quarter, same one, and buy probably two or three gallons of gas. How about that? That's a true story. That's true. Get some pre-1964 quarters, dimes, and halves from Fred Dachewski, U.S. Coin Capital, 800-878-2646. 800-878-2646. And he'll take care of you. And just, you know, load up your underwear drawer. I wouldn't put them in a, just me, I wouldn't put them in a safety deposit box. Just keep them at home. Get a safe or bury them or do something with them. And just save them. Save them for a rainy day because you just never know. All right, kids, we will uh, take a little break here. We're going to see you back in 20 minutes with Mike Stone and talk about this mythical thing called a virus. In 20 minutes, right here. May the blessings be. Thanks to Martin Armstrong. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.